Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Today is March 18th, and we've got a fun, big, loaded episode of Talking Yanks interviews for you today to discuss all the newest and latest things going on in Yankees baseball. Let's talk Yanks. Steaming hot takes. Your Yankees news with these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Thank you for joining us today to listen to this episode of Talking Yanks. My name is John Boy, and I'm coming to you from New Jersey. And I got Jake, my co-host, coming to you from Denver, Colorado. He's a transplanted Yankee fan, originally from Connecticut. What's up, Jake? How you doing? Jimmy. Hey. Hey, hi. How are you? We, we, got, a, we got a real treat for people. Big episode. Big fun episode. <laughs> kind of not planned, but <laughs> good stuff. No, we have something else planned after all the PPPs end, which is uh, there's one more PPP left. We've done 24, 25th left. After that, because we told you we're giving you episodes every day, we had something fun planned out. And uh, while doing that, we ran into a bunch of extra Yankee conversations with some prominent Yankee beat reporters. And that is going to be today's episode which is brought to you by our most recent Patreon subscribers. And those are R. McGinn. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, R. For mm, Could be Scottish. Maybe he hates St. Patrick's Day. Mm. What do you think the R stands for? I'm going Ryan. Ryan McGinn. I'm going Riggin McGinn. Riggin McGinn. Riggin McGinn. Every time his name gets said, someone thinks an engine starting. <laughs> uh, Olson Brasino or Braseno or Braceno. Wow. Three O's. That's pretty. A lot of that's O's. pretty serious. Zero O's in the, my name or nor or you got to know in your name. Well, you go by John Boy, so tough. Oh, that's two O's. Okay, Peter Talu. 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 We don't know. Hello. My name's Peter. Those are our most recent Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you. We thank you. It's $2 a month. Go to patreon.com slash talking yanks if you want to support us. When you support us, $2 a month, you get an opportunity to win two jerseys each month, one via raffle, one via contest. You get early access to the episodes. Uh, two of the interviews that we've recorded are already up on the Patreon app. They could have been listening earlier today if you really wanted to. We go live. You can be live with us. Today we're not going live because it's an interview full episode. But usually we're live and there's a chat going on. I think that's going to be a lot of fun during the season. Yeah. And uh, there's extra. We got the contest so- going on now, too. Oh, yes. The contest. If you are a patron and you want to, you go bring more patrons to us. They sign up. You say, hey, I, I am responsible for Peter Tulu signing up. 
you get a point. Whoever has the most points at the end of it wins uh, season uh, season tickets. <laughs> season tickets. Wow. Season tickets, but to only one game. Season tickets to one game of your choice. Yeah, for that season. But yeah, if you if you know someone who's been on the fence, make them sign up. Again, I've I suggested, you know, if you see a family member's credit card, just go for it. Jimmy told me to shy away from that. But hey, it if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Tell him, A-Rod. I believe there was a lawsuit in the 80s or 90s where uh, a guy told kids, go take $20 out of your mom's purse and right. send it, mail it to this address. And it was like a big lawsuit. So right. I don't want anyone suing us because of right. your advice. I mean, we're joking, but... It'd be a hilarious joke if you followed through with it. That would make the joke funnier. Right. Right. All right. And it's such a joke. A, on a serious note, we wanted to uh, uh, give some words to a Talking Yanks community member, Rusty. He's active on Twitter. He's been talking with Jake and I for a long time. He lost his uncle this week, Vinny... Uh, Rutigliano, Rutigliano. Sorry if I butchered that name. So uh, give some thoughts and uh, prayers to Rusty if you have any. That's uh, always sad. So that was a serious note for uh, a serious thing that happened to a member of Talking Yanks. Jake, we have a lot of news and stuff and shuffling. We do talk about this stuff with our guest today, which you probably saw in the title. Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com, Brian Hoke of MLB and coley harvey coley harvey of espn but let's go over just some bullet points so they 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 know what we're talking about hicks injury got postponed he's not gonna be on the roster for opening day he's gonna miss the first series best case scenario has him back for the second series we don't think that's likely yeah they doubled up on the cortisone shot which i guess they don't do that a lot and it just seems like for someone like Aaron Hicks, it's really one of the tougher guys to replace on this team and a back injury, which can flare up kind of any time. They're probably going to go pretty precautious. Yes. And Hicks did miss some time at the beginning of the season last year. That's when McKinney had to come up and all yeah. that stuff. And he ended up having a good year playing a, a lot of games. So Cashman's got to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Sevy and Hicks? The, I know the the, ti- the two times I throw an extension out there. They were talking about that. Uh, Don LeGrecker was saying on the Michael K show, like if the Mets were the ones that just did this and their two extensions got hurt, people would be going ape shit like LOL classic Mets. Meet but the, the yeah, Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. We brush our teeth in the morning and we lose baseball games at night. Meet the Mets. All right. Uh, what else happened, Jake? So the Hicks injury does leave the door open for Bird and Voigt both to be on the team because Gardner's going to slide to center field, which means Giancarlo Stan's going to slide to left field, which means the DH is now open and most likely going to be Bird and Voigt sharing that until Hicks is back. Yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting. I My eyes lit up during the Hoke interview, and I, I think it's in there, but... All offseason, it's been like, okay, Greg Greg Bird and Luke Voigt are going to fight for the first base job. But anyone that knows baseball, like, for what Luke Voigt did for us, you can't bench him because he played, like, better than an MVP level, and Greg Bird played terrible last year. So if you opened up with Luke Voigt in the minors and Greg Bird on the roster, I mean, it would have been 
uh, threat level midnight uh, in Yankees country. And now there might be this world where Greg Bird has an avenue if he plays good Major League Baseball in the first week, couple weeks, depending how the injuries play out, and Luke Voigt struggles, Greg Bird could have a path, which is insane. Yeah, I don't think it's that insane. I, I saw your eyes light up, but I wasn't as on that side of thinking as you were from the start. I thought it was much more equal competition. But yeah, I mean, I said this with Hoke, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but once now... Once the season starts, the real first base competition starts. Because if Bird is hot for two weeks in the MLB season against MLB pitchers in games that matter and Voight isn't, they're going to keep Bird. They're going to keep the hot hand. They both have options. Now, if Voight is hot or if they're relatively even close, it's still Voight's to lose. But he can lose it a little easier now that they're both starting on opening their roster, which is what opens your eyes. There's a, there's a clear path. Yeah. There's a clear path. It could it, two good weeks of baseball from Birdie and two not so hot one from Voight, and he's back, which is it's wild. Yep. And uh, bullpen wise, there we talk about that with like almost every guest, so we'll yeah. just get that in. All right, let's throw it to our first guest right now, Brendan Cuddy of NewJersey.com. Here you go. All right, we're joined by Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com, coming to us live from a bridge in Florida. What's going on, guys? Uh, I'm not to the bridge yet, but when I get to the bridge, you might hear me like go with a ooh or ah. Very the, pretty. The, the water underneath is, is beautiful. It's, it's really cool. A uh, little bit nicer than Jersey, though Jersey has my heart. <laughs> are you from New Jersey? Where part of New Jersey are you originally from? I grew up in Hopakong, New Jersey. That's northwest we'll call it like an hour from new york city yeah this is a family show so don't say that word again okay <laughs> oh Pac-com. i don't know uh, well a, a lot of people they, they put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable they'll emphasize the pat you have to emphasize that you're right it's a family show <laughs> thank you I can't say that thank one. you all right so you're you're driving home from a game that wasn't televised i didn't even keep up did anything interesting happen in this game on thursday versus the blue jays yeah, I mean, Sessa threw four scoreless against a representative Blue Jays lineup, I think. Um, you know, so, some guys in there. He's had a pretty good spring so far. He's really looks like uh, the front runner for one of the two open bullpen spots with uh, Severino and Sabathia both slated to start the season on the DL because, you know, Severino's shoulder and, and CeCe's knee. That was that was probably the highlight of the day. Oh, and Blue Jays fans really hate Troy Tulowitzki for some reason. Yeah, that was kind of surprising to me to see that he got booed. But I, th- I would guess it had to do with his first home run versus Stroman and the way he ran around the bases, John at everyone. Otherwise, that's the only thing I can think where they have animosity. Or, I don't know, people just like to boo or cheer. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it almost be like Carl Pavano-ish? Like, they've paid the guy a lot of money, and he hadn't played a lot of games for them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I had people, Blue Jays fans, tweeting uh, tweeting at me saying that Tulowitzki didn't come off that great in Toronto. I don't know if that's the case. It's not his fault that he came down with bone spurs in each of his heels. It's not his fault that the... Rockies gave him a giant contract that the Blue Jays then assumed. And uh, it's not his fault that the Blue Jays decided to cut him. So I don't know, man. People like to boo. (laughs) It's kind of fun to boo, right? Like this guy, 
this well this woman uh, next to me in traffic if I just started booing her like hey, it might it might be fun other people might start booing like why not just they, everyone gets into it we support booing on this podcast not in like a mean way though in a fun way like when Giancarlo was getting booed last year like people go to the games and they just whatever emotion they're feeling they overdo. But booing is a great joke. We had a roommate in college. Every time he walked into the room, Jake and I would just boo him. And it was it probably hurt him pretty deep, but he had to go along with it as a joke. Booing's a good time. Try it out. I love booing. We, we all should boo more often. But if we're talking about from like a logical standpoint, does Troy Tulowitzki deserve to be booed by Blue Jays fans? You know, probably, probably not. not. Did he, did, how did Troy play? Uh, one for two, single, hard hit, walk, uh, strikeout. Looked fine defensively. You know, he's been struggling lately at the plate. Lots of strikeouts. But, you know, he and Aaron Boone and others around kind of say that's what's going to happen when you're 34 and you haven't played for a full year. Yeah, and with with Tulo, he's he's clearly one of the spring training topics. And I don't know. This was something that I kind of stumbled into the other day. Because he was in a gnarly, as gnarly as a spring training slump can get. Do the Yankees really even care about that? Like, I, I feel like... With Tulowitzki as the, you know, the four-day-a-week shortstop, do they just really care if he can pick it at short and everything else is bonus, or or have you heard anything kind of around those lines? Well, I mean, I don't think you need to really hear it. If you look at the rest of the lineup, the rest of the lineup is so good that whatever Tulowitzki can give you offensively is probably a bonus. The plan, even if Tulowitzki is hitting well, He's not hitting any higher than seventh or eighth in that lineup, right? Yeah. So whatever you get out of those guys is is those kinds of guys is probably considered icing on the cake as long as Tulowitzki can play a representative, uh, a solid shortstop, you know, for the four five days a week he's out there. Then yeah, then the Yankees are are going to be really happy with what they've got, and they're crossing their fingers they get that much out of it. Yeah. And speaking of the batting order, yesterday Boone came out and said that he sees Voigt being anywhere from third to six in the order. Do you think that, I mean, to me, that means Voigt's on the roster, and it just makes sense for Voigt to be on the roster. Do you think that cements Bird as starting the season in AAA? Or do you still think they can do other things? I don't know. I feel like if Bird was hitting fourth and Report is asked, him, is that where you see Bird hitting, he might have had the exact That's same That's a good answer. point. You know? I I really don't know if you look at the way the work's been, been split up bird and Voigt have had almost the same number of at bats, the same number of games. They've, they've had the same opportunities for a team that says Luke Voigt has the, the leg up and for a team that makes it sound like it's kind of Voigt's job to lose. I just had to beep at someone. Sorry. <laughs> what the? And since we're being recorded, I had to restrain myself. Boom. Boom. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. I should have done that. I should have put my hand out the window and booed him. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, for a team that said all this stuff about Voight having a leg up, they're really, really, really giving Bird every single shot here. So I don't think that him saying that, and also I don't think him walking around Boone 
today's Thursday on Wednesday was walking around with a Luke Voigt, but like a Louis Vuitton style shirt, you know, with Luke Voigt instead of Louis Vuitton on it. Um, I don't think him walking around wearing that shirt was even a, any kind of clue or any kind of peek into what they're thinking. That's just Boone supporting, you know, one of the players on the team. And also it's kind of a cool shirt. Yeah, I agree. It's a good point that you said if he was asked about, you know, Bird batting fourth, then that would be the same answer. So I think now next time Bird bats fourth, you have to ask that question, see if we get the same answer. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of right. You're kind of right, man. I, I don't know. The next uh, next time Bird gets into a game is probably tomorrow, and we'll we'll see where they have him in the lineup. But I don't even know if that will we'll signal all that much because you know how the Yankees like to go lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. I know, it's crazy. They can, they can kind of camouflage or or cover up or deflect whatever they're thinking with a million different, not excuses, but diversions. They're pretty good at that. The, the, the other competition in campus for the, these starting jobs with, with uh, CC and Severino both starting on the IL, nailed it. We got Herman and Sessa. Is that the new lean now with Luizaga pitching poorly and Sessa pitching greatly? Is that who you think get those two spots and also are they definitely going to have five starting pitchers because doesn't it make sense to have four in the opening of the season and and maybe use another bench player but i feel like they've addressed it so what do you got on the back end of the starters well we'll take that in two parts one yeah <laughs> i think that sessa and herman are the guys who are in the lead we talk a lot about spring training performances not mattering but in this case they think they do you, you want to take the two guys who are pitching the best uh, going into the start of the uh, season. Sorry, I'm getting a text here, <laughs> while I'm, which, I show, which is where I'm looking at while I'm driving. Someone's going to boo you soon. I, I think I think those those uh, two guys are in the lead, and I think Luizaga, you know, he didn't pitch a lot last year, and he is maybe your your top pitching prospect at least in terms of proximity to the majors. So you don't want to push him or rush him too much especially if he's not pitching all that great so yeah it looks like those are the two guys who are in the lead you saw Herman got so much work last year when Montgomery went out so yeah you're right now just briefly touching on that whether the Yankees need five starters deal I think the way this season starts you got opening day right and then after that's an off day and then I think you got five straight games or six straight games until the next off day. The Yankees could, you know what? No, I, the Yankees could come back with Tanaka on five days rest. Um, Cause you have that off day built in and then put in the, 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 the fifth starter, the, the next, the very next start and, and then push everyone. And then that puts everyone else on regular rest. You could do that. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me. Instead, I have a Volvo in front of me. <laughs> I think how it works out um, is the first through the first 17 games, they could use four starters if they want. My thing is that they're so cautious with their starters and five and fly at the beginning of the season. And if they have a chance to be even more cautious with their starters, I think they will, and they'll use the fifth. But if it takes a Sessa start out and gives Bird the chance to get some big league at bats to start the season, I think it would be worthwhile to try it. But I don't see them doing that because they're so cautious with their starters, especially at the beginning of the year. Well, right. But also, we're talking about what? How many starts would Bird get? You know, like what? How many? How many games would you really start Bird? Yeah, he'd probably get like three. with Boyd on the roster. 
with LeMayhew on the roster, is it is it worth it if Sessa's pitching well, you know, why not give him a start, especially at the beginning of the year, and see if you can keep the, the momentum going? Yeah. And unless my math's off, so let's let's say that's all true. The Yankees come in with the five starters. They pick they pick uh, Sessa and Herman to fill in while the other guys are hurt. Everyone kind of had Sessa penciled in for the last bullpen spot because he was out of options. Would that then open up a spot for Tarpley? Is it the Tarp Show again in New York? So yeah, I actually think so. I think if I think if Loisaga, uh, you know, doesn't end up in the starting rotation, I think you got to send him to AAA. Because I think you want him to keep starting, and I think you want they make him a make him an option to start. You know, say someone goes down, I think that then opens up a bullpen spot, and then that then opens up a spot for Tarpley because who else would do it? There's there's no one really else who stands out. You just saw Adams, you just saw um, Harvey sent down to AAA, sent down to the minor league camp. So Tarpley is really the the other option there, and yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, the Yankees totally could just put Luisaga in the bullpen and make him the long guy. They totally could do that. I just don't see them doing. Yeah, that. I think he's too but, highly regarded to do that right away. Yeah, I think so too. All right, we have a bunch of guys out of options, and the options are so hard to find online. So I'm going to ask you if you can confirm. Are um, Canley and Sessa are they the two pitchers that are out of options completely? Yes. Okay. So do you think, what's the plan with Canley? He's looked better this spring. His velocity's up from last year. It's still down from 2017 when he was dominant. I mean, he clearly makes the team out of spring because he has no options. How long do you think his leash is? Do you think he can, do you think if, if he has anything close to last year's performance, how long would it take for a move to happen? Could they deal him like Shreve at the deadline? Just general, what do you think about Canley's odds of making it through this whole year? Because that's something we discussed because the option really makes it tricky and the stacked pen really makes him not a, a need at the moment. So it's a it's a tricky season for Canley. Uh, yeah, it's it's a huge season for Canley for sure. The 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 velocity he has right he has right now, I think it's I think he run up ran it up to ninety eight at one point, uh, ninety six, ninety seven. Boone says it looks different than it did last year. Last year, Canley was dealing with the shoulder tendonitis. Uh, he he said in the off season that he never really came back from that, and even even mentally, he was just struggling with with pitching so poorly. the The ninety seven ninety eight he's throwing now is uh, like a easier ninety seven ninety eight. He's not he's not you know throwing his whole body into it. Um, so that's a good sign. And really, how many relievers are throwing 99, 100, 101 uh, in early yeah, March, no, right? Yeah, definitely You true. know, it, 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 there's still time to build up arm strength. And Canley has looked pretty good. I, you know, I haven't really examined the level of competition Canley's been facing. I don't know if he's been going against a bunch of double-A guys. I'm not sure, but the numbers are there. The numbers are good. And as for can he stay with the team all season, for sure. I mean, if he's healthy, the the guys the guys' legs are like tree trunks. He's a, he's a uh, he's really gener- he generates you know massive power from the from the uh, you know from from his legs, and he seems like he's healthy. So, and he's young, right? What is he? Twenty eight, yep. twenty nine. And he kicked his There's caffeine no habit. He can't be- 
<laughs> that too. I mean, uh, I can't do that, and I refuse to do that. So good for him, but not me. <laughs> so I, uh, I think that why not? Why can't he start throwing ninety-eight, ninety-nine again? And you know, you look at the flip side. How long of a leash could he have? Well, how long did the Yankees stick with AJ Cole last year? I, that that was insane. I mean, once he once he hit September, he was stuck. But I think if like September calls weren't a thing, Cole would have got the boot come mid-August, but instead they were like, well, let's just keep them around for September. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how that's up yeah. goes. All right. Hey, thanks, man. That's all we got for you. Unless you, you got anything else you want to drop? Well, yeah, what do you what do you have? What questions do you have for us? <laughs> what, 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 what are you, where are you guys in that you're on the laptop and, and you're here on the phone? Uh, I'm at my house in New Jersey and Jake's at his house in Denver. This is how we do things. Pretty bootleg over here at Talking Yanks. Do you live in Denver, dude? Yo, it's messed up. <laughs> there's there's a story about a job, a dog, and a girl, but we don't we don't we don't need to hear that while I'm taking dry swings over here. Yep. Listen, man, I don't want to hear what's dry. And what's <laughs> Me neither. You know, I will, will, but uh, all right, well, that's cool, man. Uh, that, that's great that you guys uh you guys uh, keep this going, uh, and you guys are you know uh, tight despite the distance. Yeah, it's yeah. good. All right, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Good hearing thank from you. Enjoy the, enjoy the rest right. of spring training. You yeah. ready to come home to the cold? Right. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you guys for the shirt. It's uh, it's become a very solid gym shirt, and I mean that in the best way possible. That's a perfect nice. gym shirt. Uh, Jake immediately cut the sleeves off his. Well, I'm not surprised. I'm really not yeah, surprised. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. We'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your drive. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and, and good luck with us. Thanks, Cuddy. All right. So that was Cuddy. Go tweet at him and tell him, hey, Hey, take a picture of of you with uh, the Talking Yank shirt while you're working out and send it to me. Just tweet at him. Every time he tweets, just say, send a picture of you in the gym with your Talking Yank shirt on. Ideally, Max Bench. Or or whenever he drives over a bridge now, he has to take a bridge pick. Yeah, there you go. All right, next up. <laughs> Thanks got... for showing up, Cuddy. <laughs> Thanks, now Cuddy. you have obligations. <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have Brian Hoke who is uh, this is like his fourth time on the show with us. We love Brian. He said we were his favorite podcast to come talk to. And he sa- and then after that, he said, and I mean it. So that was very nice of him. Little tidbit. <laughs> he does a Sterling impression at the end. That's going to seem so out of place because all the times that he did it earlier, you're going to hear on a future episode. So right. just, to, just to let you know the way this is edited, it, comes out, of, it comes out of left field. But here is Brian Hoke like Coke. All right, we're joined by Talking Yanks fan favorite and reoccurring guest, Brian Hoke, who's coming to us live from Tampa. Are you at George Steinbrenner Field right now? I am in Clearwater, home of Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, yeah, we're on the road today, so Yankees got a, a little split squad action. Some of the guys are down in Sarasota playing the Orioles. And I uh, I opted for the 20-minute trip across the causeway, so okay. I think I, uh, I made the smart move. <laughs> Very smart. Are the... So it's a split squad both away. Did uh, right. So are you with all the good players? They only sent uh, the the starters twenty minutes away. Yeah, I think uh, you know the guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, the rule of thumb in spring training is you go where the manager goes. So if Boone had gone to Sarasota, I would have had no choice. But very happy with Aaron Boone's decision that uh, he wanted to eat a cheesesteak here in Fame Clearwater today. Those are the kind of insights that I yeah. really like. So that's that's the reporter's rule. You go where the manager goes. I never knew that. 
Yeah, I mean, unless there's some overwhelming reason, you know, Jonathan Loisega is pitching down in Sarasota, and if there was some reason that I had to watch him pitch today, I, I might have thought about that. But general rule of thumb is we go where the manager goes. Cool, I like that. All right, and you, we got a lot of big news this morning in, in Yankee world. Somewhat big news: we got Ellsbury coming back. We got a, a somewhat more final decision on Hicks, and uh, maybe there's something else that I'm missing. But let's start with Ellsbury. He just walked into the uh, spring training facilities today. Brendan Cuddy, who we uh, talked to yesterday, tweeted out he was walking gingerly. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> you probably didn't see that. But what do you have on uh, Ellsbury showing up to camp in the middle of this and the whole bizarre Ellsbury saga now? It's just strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, the guy hasn't played in a year and a half, and uh, so it's he's on the team, but it doesn't really feel like he's on the team, and it won't feel like he is until he gets back in uniform and is playing games. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing him at all at Yankee Stadium last year. I, I heard that he was there a day or two, but um, it, it's kind of a forgotten man, you know, out of sight, out of mind, that, that kind of thing. And so he's here. Um, he'll work out with the team a little bit. He took his physical, did some blood work today. And, um, but he's, he's still so far away from playing in any kind of meaningful game. I mean, uh, you know, he's hitting off a tee. He's playing catch at short distances. So it's, it's really hard to kind of forecast when he'll be a major league player for the Yankees again. You know, I, 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 people keep asking me, do you think Ellsbury will ever play as a Yankee again? And I actually believe he will. I think that it'll it'll happen at some point this year. I mean, look how many bats they gave to guys like Shane Robinson last year. I mean, things things pop up, and there will be a need. And with the amount of money he's making, you know, they, I'm sure if Brian Cashman had a do-over, he would not sign Ellsbury to that deal. But the money's spent already, so I, I think that at some point you will see Ellsbury back in the Bronx. But I can't tell you when that's going to be. Is there any concern that? I guess you you mentioned it a little bit, and these these things normally take care of themselves. You mentioned the Shane Robinson show next year, but I mean, say say they've got a clear month, month and a half rehab plan with Ellsbury, and it's time to come back. I mean, do we think it could potentially become problematic, or that like the the Yankees could be kind of abusing Ellsbury, or vice versa, or the players' union. Like, I, I don't know. The, the timelines of this seem like they could be really bizarre, and they have been. Well, I, I think the one thing to remember is he is coming back from a hip surgery, which was significant. That was a real injury. Um, you know, they, they, they don't do labor and hip surgeries for no reason. So he's coming back from that. And if you, you forget about all the, the rest of the saga and just focus on the hip injury and then this plantar fasciitis thing uh, that he was dealing with. I mean, I, I think it's, it's certainly plausible that that's all for real and that the Yankees aren't trying to play games with the insurance money. I, I don't believe that they are. I think that that's just, I mean, this is why you take out insurance on a huge contract like that, because I mean, these kind of deals often do go bad. And so I, I think that whatever happens with Ellsbury from here, I, I think, uh, it's going to go down as one of Cashman's biggest mistakes. I think he readily admits that. And, you know, he said a few times, he says, you know, fans want to boo Ellsbury and, and get on Jacoby. Don't don't bother, you know, point the finger at me. You know, Brian Cashman's the one who made that decision to sign him to the deal. And so that's one he's got to ride with. And for as much as we talk about the great moves that Cashman has made in the last few years, you know, that, that's a pretty bad one. And uh, the Yankees are going to have to live with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm so simple that I honestly, like you said, you think Ellsbury is going to be back. That, that is the logical thought process. My brain's too simple. He's like out of sight, out of mind. I can't even imagine him. So I was going to throw a number at you. Would you be more surprised okay. if Ellsbury starts 
50 games for the Yankees or starts zero? <laughs> um, I'd be surprised if he starts 50. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised. I think that we saw him start zero last year, so that certainly <laughs> is possible. You know, <laughs> we, we've seen it done already, but I, I think that, you know, if we split the difference and say he plays in 25 games, that wouldn't shock me completely. I, I could see him doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Jacoby, but I, I think that, you know, the best resolution for everybody involved is if he can get back on the field, prove that he can still play a little bit, and then the Yankees might be able to trade him and move that contract somewhere else, eat a bunch of it, and just kind of ship, you know, move him along and kick it down the, uh, down the line, so to speak, because uh, I don't see how he fits here really. And I think it's, it's uncomfortable for everybody involved. Yeah, it's a bit weird, and he doesn't fit anymore because they have their new center fielder locked up to a right. seven-year contract, and that's the other news from the day. He comes in, and it's official now. A couple days ago, he said, I'm going to be ready, but Cashman was like, he's probably not going to be ready. Now, we know that he's not going to be on the roster for the opening series. Hicks says, well, you know this better than me, but I believe Hicks said he's going to be there for the Detroit series, the next one. Uh do you is that what Hicks is saying? Is Cashman still weary? Where do you what do we think we're going to see Hicks? Well, you know, at first the Yankees said this Hicks thing was only going to be a couple days, and that was March first, and here we are, and now he's going to be missing opening day. So I think they're still trying to get a handle on what it is exactly. I mean, there's you don't see guys get two quarters on shots in a week very often, and I think what that tells you is the medical staff is searching for. They're they're really just kind of hoping it takes care of itself, and and uh, I think that Hicks is frustrated. He wanted to be out there with his teammates. He talked about uh, how exciting opening day is and it, how you want to hear they feel that thrill of jogging out to the first baseline with the rest of your guys. And um, I, I think that he's optimistic that he can get back for that Tiger series. That's certainly possible. They could backdate the injury, but you know, I've been listening to Hicks now for three weeks saying he's optimistic that he'll be back and it's not going to take long and he's almost ready and it hasn't happened yet. So I guess at some point you got to say, all right, prove it. And until he starts playing in games and he's hitting and throwing without pain, you can't really fast forward the clock. So yeah, I think that would be the best case scenario, but um, you know, Boone says that, uh, Hicks could be back the second week of the season. I, I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, but, you know, I remember Joe Girardi saying all the time, backs are tricky, and they are. And you, you just never know. I mean, I'm going back to, like, the Kevin Euclid's days. Remember that? Dark <laughs> days of the 2013. But uh, with Hicks, you don't know what it's going to be. I, it, they think it's not a muscular – it's not a structural issue, so it's a muscular issue back there. But I'm not a doctor, and I, I think – you just kind of wait and see if this shot really does calm everything down and, and fix it so he can get back up there. Yeah, I, I don't remember this being a reputation of the Yankees uh, years years ago, but now it seems like they just are terrible at injury return deadlines. I want them to start just saying it's going to be two months no matter what happens so that we can get excited when it's less than two months because it always seems like they give us the best case scenario, which is not the most likely scenario, which is best case, and it's always a lot. You know what? You know what I heard growing up? Promise a little, produce a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, and, and you're right. If if you tell them it's going to be two months and it winds up being six weeks, then hey, you're ahead of the game. So I don't know. I the one the example that I keep thinking about is the Aaron Judge will be back in three weeks, and it became seven and a half, and um, that that didn't serve anybody, especially. Mm-hmm 
us who you know, I mean, Judge got frustrated because we kept asking him. And it's like, hey, you know, it's it's week three. What's going on? And he's nowhere close to coming back. And um, it, you know, I don't think that served anyone well. Yeah, and then Bird in 2017 with the undiagnosed broken bone for three months. It was, and once they yeah. diagnosed it, he was back two weeks later. It was kind of crazy. Or to share it before that too. Yeah, to yep. share. Yeah, it's it's becoming a reputation, which I I wish it wasn't. It feels more like a Mets thing, not to hurt your. Your old, your old favorite team. <laughs> but, yeah, it doesn't bother me, not one bit. <laughs> but, but this Hicks injury, it does change the roster because the one biggest competition was Voight versus Bird, and everyone always says, "Don't make your mind now because it's going to play itself out." Things happen. Well, here we have it. Something happened, and to me, it seems like at least until Hicks is back, they're both going to get on the roster and get playing time. Because if Clint was playing out of his shoes, maybe he would have forced their hand there. But the way everything going, I, I think I saw you tweet that you think it's going to be both of them. Um, I think yeah. it's going to be both of them. I think Jake might be a little skeptical still. But how do you see the roster playing out for the first series? I, I think you, you're right. They're both on the roster, um, in my mind. And one of them is going to be DHing on opening day. So I, I think that uh, I could definitely see an opening day lineup where you have Stanton in left field. You've got Bird at first base because he's got the slightly better glove, and then Voight as your DH. I, I think that that's probably the way they're going to go. That would be my guess at this point. Um, and it is just kind of a temporary fix in a lot of ways because if Hicks is back for that Tiger series, then one of those two guys is probably going to have to go after three days. But um, like I said, wait and see about Hicks. None of us really know when he's going to be back. And um, I, I think that, you know, I, I remember Joe Torrey back in the day saying, you know, these things work themselves out. Don't worry, you know, and uh, here we go. It, it certainly did. You fast forward to March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and, yeah, both those guys are going to be on the roster. Uh, the question now for me is uh, an extra outfielder um, since you're carrying a first baseman there, and I think that Tyler Wade's got a really good shot of making this team because of his versatility. I thought that Wade was on the team before this anyway. Uh, I guess Clint Frazier still in the mix, but considering what he went through last year, I think the Yankees really want to get him playing time. And I don't think uh, the at-bats are going to be there, but you know, Boone said today that decision has not been made yet. It's something they're going to talk about. And as we've seen here, things can change pretty quickly. Yeah. Pretty wild. Everyone kind of wasn't thinking about Wade too much. And then it was pretty clear two weeks into spring training that he was going to be on the team uh, just because of that versatility and speed so much. And Brian, I don't want to I don't want to feed you a storyline here, but I I think it's funny cuz where everyone was with Voight and Bird, like everyone was picking their teams on the internet. You saw that team Bird, team Voight. I think we were all sitting here like there's no way you can't put Luke Voight on the team after what he did last year. But now I'm picturing this world if Greg Bird has a good first week on the major league team and Hicks comes back, I don't know, Greg Bird almost has like a chance to really get on there now. It's, I, I guess I didn't see that coming. I don't know. You can use that if you need it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, right. I thought this was Voight's job to lose. I still think it is. Um, I, I think that considering what he did last year, um, you know, Bird, Bird made it a nice competition. If you had to pick one, Bird made it a nice competition. But Voight didn't do anything to lose the job, so I think it would have been Voight over Bird. But now they're both going to be on the team. And and you're right. What happens if that series against the terrible Orioles, who might lose, what, 120 games this year? <laughs> what happens if Greg Bird hits five homers in the first three games and 
are you going to send him down to Scranton if uh, if Hicks is ready? So I don't know. I, I it, it'll be fascinating to to watch. It'll be a nice problem for Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone to have. But um, yeah, this is not the outcome I would have figured. But like I said, things change very quickly, and um, yeah, these problems have a way of working themselves out. There's it's almost as if opening day comes and it and we say, okay, now the competition for first is really starting because they both have options. So it seems as though all season they'll just ride the hot hand. If Bird goes into a terrible slump, uh, if Voigt goes starts off terrible and Bird starts off wonderful, you'd be foolish not to ride the hot hand. And then if it ever mixes up or something happens, then they're both going to get chances, I think it may be a little more of a seesaw than we uh, previously thought. Cause I thought it was Voight's as well. I like Greg bird, but I mean, Voight didn't do anything to lose the job as you said. Right. Well, I think part of it helps that you've got a lefty and you've got a righty. If you had two righties or two lefties, that might be tougher to figure out. But, uh, and the fact that of course that the Yankees can use the DH spot, and, um, especially now that it looks like Stanton's going to have to play more outfield than probably anticipated, at least while Hicks is out and, um, so yeah, like I said, it, it, this could be going on into May, who knows, you know, we could be doing the, uh, the Voight versus Bird day by day by day. And, um, you know, I, I think it's fun. I wish they would put up a little scoreboard in the, in the clubhouse, like which guy is ahead today. And, uh, that would have been, <laughs> that would have made spring training easier for us, but, um, no, it's, it's been, uh, good times down here in Florida for sure. Just you put up the scoreboard and then blame it on Guardy and say, Gar- and then Guardy will probably take ownership over and have fun marking it. Just look at both of them. Voight got the point today. Bird got the point today. It'll go on. I'll see- I like that idea. I will do that. I will do that. Yes. <laughs> and Guardy is the prankster in that team. So um, you yeah. can blame anything on him. And you got a pretty good shot of being right. All right. We go. have, uh, we'll do just really quickly on the back end of the starting rotation. I, when it first happened, I personally thought it was Loizaga and Herman getting the four and five with Sessa in the pen because Sessa doesn't have any options. The more that things have happened and the more uh, we see these guys pitch, to me, now it seems like uh, Loizaga is going to be in AAA. Sessa is going to be – Sessa and Herman will be the four and five, and Tarpley might get a spot in his pen. That's just what my brain's telling me. We do have to ride out yeah. the CC five-game suspension as well. How do you see it shaking out as of now? Here is my bold prediction. Because Ooh. Luizaga did not pitch his way onto this team, I don't think the Yankees' fifth starter is in camp right now. I think he's in somebody else's uniform. That would be my guess. I, I think that uh, you're right in that Sessa and Herman are both on the team. and But I think, I think they really like the idea of Sessa in that long relief role, and they don't think of he can really – see a lineup a third time through. I think they have their doubts about that. So my guess would be that somebody will be out of options in some other camp and they will make a trade. You remember that trade a few years ago where uh, Chris Stewart appeared out of nowhere and, you know, Francisco Cervelli was supposed to be the backup catcher. I remember we were talking to Cervelli at his locker and the dude was crying because he thought he had made his opening day roster and, and they told him, Oh, Nope, you lost it. And, you're going to Scranton and Chris Stewart, this guy came in for out of nowhere and uh, took the job away. And Stu, Stu was actually a good backup catcher for this team. But uh, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think some pitcher is going to appear right before the Yankees go north. And that, that's how they're going to fix it, at least while they wait for Severino and Sabathia to come back. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Well, I thank you, boys. And <laughs> have a pleasant tomorrow. 
<laughs> I was, I was going to say, can we just do thir- another 30 minutes with you as John Sterling? Because, I mean, we'll take that. With fake John Sterling? I'd love it. I would love it. You're kind of an impressionist because on a previous episode when you joined us, you dropped an Andy Pettit impression naturally. You didn't even realize you were doing it. Oh, yeah. I forgot I did that. You're right. Uh, yeah. Man. So you have anyone else in your arsenal? You'll have to have me back on again. All right. And, uh, there we maybe go. we'll find out. Okay. Appreciate Fine. that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Enjoy the rest of spring, and uh, we'll catch up with you during the season sometime. You got it, guys. Take it easy. All right, so now go uh, tweet at Brian and say more Sterling voice, more Sterling voice. It was pretty impressive, Jake. We were both genuinely impressed by that impression. I grew up on SNL. I have a couple mediocre impressions I I can throw out there. That was a real impression because a lot of – here's the catch, Jim. A lot of people, they can do – like my Scooby-Doo thing. Like I can't do a Scooby-Doo – I can do a Scooby-Doo sentence, but now I you can't. Have, now you have to give it to him. Like, like Scoob, it's the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> like, I could do that on repeat. I could sub in the Yankees. I could do stuff like that. But I can't talk in, like, a Scooby-Doo voice. Yeah. I can talk in my John Gruden voice. I, and Booney, I'm trying to get there. Well, you know, the guys. I just, I just go high pitch and start talking baseball. But he can talk as john sterling for a full conversation and never miss a stride yeah it's pretty good pretty good really good he after we got done he's like hey sorry if i did too much sterling and we were like no no you didn't do enough we're having you on as fake john sterling soon yeah yeah that's what i dm'd him after thanks for coming on that that impression's really good you could like call into francesa and trick him if you're ever that bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have a down minute. That's the ultimate compliment to an impressionist. Yeah, you could trick Francesa with that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Coley Harvey from ESPN. We just wrapped up talking to him. It was longer than we expected because it's just fun. I, I said this to Jake after. I said, man, that was a fun conversation. And I wasn't even talking about like, podcast production wise like oh the audience is really gonna enjoy that conversation i meant me personally i would call coley up and have that conversation unrecorded because i just love talking about the new york yankees so i mean i hope you guys enjoy it we enjoyed being like a part of that conversation it's like talking yanks i'm such a it's the name of the show we like talking yanks yeah and i i think this is i was trying to allude to this before but Basically, we were like, all right, we're going to kill March as much content for you guys. You know, we're, we're the best, blah, blah, blah. So we're something you'll see later this week was the original idea, and you guys are going to like it a lot. But um, yeah, then it turned into like three massive interviews, and we're like, okay, what, what, what? We were just doing like, ah, we'll figure it out. And then we're like, holy crap, <laughs> we did too much. So it's, it's all coming out today. Yeah, a lot of content in this March, but you guys have been crushing the downloads. Yeah. Uh, we broke our record five or six times since we started the PPPs, so we love you for that. And uh, here's Coley Harvey from ESPN. All right, we are joined now with Coley Harvey of ESPN. He's on the beat for the second time in spring training, and uh, we're going to get some insight down there, what's going on in Tampa, then he's going to answer some questions for us. Coley, how you doing? Doing pretty well. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. It's it's like, uh, I think, 40 degrees here and sunny, and it feels fantastic. A little different situation for you. 
<laughs> it's a little cloudy today, uh, a little a little chilly for Florida, but yeah, it's not bad. I'll definitely take it. <laughs> how are you? Uh, how how are you enjoying spring training? I f- I forget we asked you before. Did you get a full spring training last time, or did you get like an annotated spring training? Uh, I was it was mostly full. I, I think uh, I think I probably missed out about a week and a half or so last year. Just you know, kind of taking some time off and and that kind of thing. And that's the same story this year. Probably missed about seven days. Um, otherwise I've been here the whole time and, uh, and you know, those seven days was actually good to kind of hit the, ref- the, f- the refresh button, the, the recharge button, so to speak. Um, you know, and, uh, also kind of get back to the cold weather, went back home, uh, up to New York. So, uh, you know, a, a little chilly, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't too fun to, to have to deal with that, but it was good to kind of unplug for a minute and now we're, you know, we're back at it and, um, it's been a, it's been an entertaining spring training. That's for sure. Uh, uh, you know, it's also been kind of, as you guys are well aware now, a, uh, a injury field, uh, spring training for the Yankees. So we'll certainly see how they start to continue to navigate, uh, some of these troubles that they've had uh, here recently. Yeah. A lot of storylines that we didn't want have sprouted up, which is unfortunate, but it, maybe we'll be saying, Hey, at least that happened in spring and we we're good by the end of the season. We'll see. But for, for you, you've only done Yankee spring trainings under Boone. So you had last year. Last year, we asked a lot of people to compare Boone's camp to Girardi's camp. But mm-hmm. since you've done two now, both Boone, do you notice a difference in these two camps from last year to this um, year? I, I'll, I'll say that it, it feels uh, – it, 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 just, it just feels like things are a little more natural this year, if that makes sense. That um, Not that it, they really felt all that bad last year either it definitely seemed like all things considered that the the coaching staff and 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 everybody in place knew what they were doing last year uh but it just feels like things are a lot more uh fluid um you know the uh the organization as far as the the timing of things uh seems a little bit more fluid than last year uh you know it doesn't really seem like we see too many um uh, you know, there's just not a whole lot of, a whole lot of stuff that's unexpected. It just feels like, you know, there's a nice routine this year and last year, there might've been a little bit less of that. And, you know, some of that was again, just a new staff trying to work together, trying to figure the whole thing out and just, yeah, just trying to figure out spring training, uh, period, because, uh, it was the first time obviously for, for Boone and his staff, uh, working that, but it's been, uh, like I said, it's, it's been pretty seamless this year, been pretty fluid and, um, you know, and, and, you know, again, I've definitely enjoyed being here in Florida for it. Are you sick of uh, like the monotony of spring and the games not mattering and these storylines? Or would you take that, um, I guess, lesser baseball competition wise for the weather? Because when you come <laughs> back up here, it's going to be cold again. And I wonder where the balance yeah. is for the beat reporters. Yeah, personally, I am. I as far as the the games themselves, I'm ready for the season, man. I'm I'm definitely over the uh, the spring training aspect of it, just because it's like, all right, you know, none of this really matters right now. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, as we're talking today, um, you know, uh, Dellen Betances' velocity is still down, but he strikes out Bryce Harper with a 90 mile an hour fastball. What does that mean? Is it just because <laughs> it's spring training and Bryce Harper's not ready either? Or, you know, what What does all that mean? I'm ready for the season to begin so we actually know that, you know, uh, the stats matter, the the events matter, the uh, the scenarios mean something too. So um, so I'm, I'm ready for that. But the balance, I don't know, man. I, I, 
I guess if the weather, if the weather, if I knew going back to New York that the weather was going to be higher than 50 <laughs> when I get back, I'd take that trade off. <laughs> but of yeah. course, I don't, I don't know that. So uh, I can't lie. It's been, it's been good being in Florida. We're, we're starting to get a lot more uh, cloudy days. It's, uh, it, you know, that, that aspect of it isn't so fun. You know, for the first month or so, it was uh, pretty much sun every day. You know, so you really, you really, you know, when you guys were down, as you saw, it was sunny the whole time you guys were here. Yeah, it so, was nice. Yes, you really, you really can't, uh, you can't go wrong with this weather. So I don't know if I could stay down here for another three weeks. The games count, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that would be nice. Yeah, maybe that'd be great. <laughs> What's your obligation? What, what do you feel obligated to report and pay attention to the seventh, eighth, ninth inning of these games? Because I try to watch them and cover them and make gifts or do whatever I do, you know. Yeah, but they yeah. drag, man. Like, and I don't know if you guys, because no one really cares about the, the guys at the end. Not to be mean, but Whoa. as a report, as a reporter, are you like, okay, pay attention, pay attention? Yeah, well, I will say there's a big challenge, legit, just logistically for us, and that's the fact that usually around the seventh, eighth inning, um, the, the clubhouse actually opens for the players, the starters who are coming out of the game. Um, you know, so you know, so you'll oh, have okay. Yeah, so you know you'll have uh, Aaron Judge, you'll have Greg Bird, you'll have the starting pitcher of that game, um, you know maybe the first reliever or two of that game. They're all uh, back in the clubhouse, pretty much getting ready to get out of there themselves. Uh, you know, doing whatever they need to do to you know a workout or or whatever they do when they get done out of the game, um, and then they're getting ready to go home. So we're in there as the seventh, eighth and ninth innings are going on. And so just logistically, it is a little bit tougher to pay attention. Of course, there are televisions on, um, you know, so you're looking like today, you know, we were looking at, um, at a uh, Severino pitch uh, that ninth inning, you know, I mean, he's hitting triple digits. He's got the nice 83 mile an hour slider to end the game, you know, and, and, and pl other players are in there too. They're looking at that. They're seeing kind of what those back of the uh, back of the depth chart, um, uh, players are doing themselves too. So, uh, so, so you kind of can pay attention maybe on a peripheral level, but for the most part, it, it is tough. I, I will say, I, I, you know, I do try to try to, you know, keep as good tabs as I can, uh, especially not just in the games, but if there's like a bullpen situation for pitchers or if there are some type of fielding drills um, or even batting practice, you know, the, just those, those times when I kind of can sit down and watch, um, you know, watch a, a, a wider collection of some of those players, because I'm telling you, you know, these are the guys that are going to be the future. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking about the guy like Steven Tarpley, even this time last year, very many, you know, very few people uh, around the Yankees universe truly knew who Steven Tarpley was. And now here he could make the roster this year, you know? Um, so you certainly want to pay attention to those guys. Philip Deal is a guy I'm thinking of this year uh, who could certainly be uh, uh, kind of like that next year. Um, you know, he has looked really strong in the seventh and, and eighth and sixth innings that he's pitched uh, so far this spring. So, uh, so certainly try to keep a tab, but just logistically, it's not as, uh, not as easy in the games for us as, uh, as, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'd like it to be. And you're right. It does drag when it gets to that point of the game. It definitely drags. Yeah. I mean, I, I disagree with you both wholeheartedly there. When I get, a, <laughs> when I, when I get a good Trey and Bergie at bat, that's kind of when I, that's when I kick into gear. That's when I get going. He homered um, it, I think. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and goalie, I, I guess. I, I guess, and you, you mentioned the comfort level around the team, and I, I don't want to make it as generic as what's different between this year and last year, but, I mean, what, what kind of vibes are you getting? Because I, 
personally coming in, I was expecting that we were we we did some some of the spring training uh, phrases you hear all the time, like who's going to add a new pitch, who's going to lose weight. I thought for sure one of the mindsets we were going to hear was that you know Boone's really locked down this spring training. La- last year was you know fun and games and the cool Cali guy and everything was relaxed. We haven't really heard that, and I mean it still looks like they're having a blast. Didi's got a camera wherever you look. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, is it just all around comfort level? Are there any of the new guys that are around the clubhouse? Are they a factor at all? Or I, I mean, what's, yeah. what's different? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will actually say on, with respect to Boone, uh, you know, I just, my personal observation this year, he actually does seem a lot more dialed in and, and locked in, you know, he's not, um, it, 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 you know, not that he did everything last year when it came to media requests or whatever it is, but it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's making sure that he's being a little more efficient. That might be the, the best way that I can describe okay. it. He's, he's not, he's not honestly from, even from a reporter standpoint, none of it's bad at all. It's just, he's a little more efficient kind of with the way that he answers questions. He's a little more efficient with maybe even some of the, uh, the things that he does outside of the game. And, um, and I, I think that's just comfort. Again, that's just him having had that that first year knowing what he felt like worked what he also might have felt like didn't work and um and so it seems like he's a little more focused in that sense uh, a little more business like in that sense um but as far as the guys around the team you know um uh you know James Paxton is has blended in well in fact i was talking with um with uh, another reporter uh earlier today about just the trio of Paxton, Adam Adovino, and Zach Britton, and and what they bring uh, to this clubhouse. Now, of course, Britton, you know, we we know that he was around for for a month or two uh, there at the end of the year last year. But still, the, the fact that these are brainy guys, these are guys that like to talk. Uh, they they like to talk about their craft. I'll put it that way. They really like to talk about the ins and outs of pitching. Um, but also, they have a nice sense of what the pulse is around the game. You know, these are three players who very well could be the player rep, you know, when it comes to, ML, to the ML, uh, MLBPA player rep. All three of those, those guys could do that because they've had some level of experience with it in the past. Just that sense of understanding the game as a whole, um, you know, I, I think that's even given them uh, a, an extra sense of belonging in the clubhouse, too. You know, it's it certainly seems like they're part of that culture already as well. And, um, you know, we'll see, you know, Tulowitzki, you know, Tulowitzki's a guy that really gives this team a little bit of an edge. I, I think uh, as surprising as it may have been to us to stand there and hear Tulowitzki say that he knew who he was playing on the very first day of spring training, very first game of spring training, he knew he wanted to hit a home run against the Toronto Blue Jays. And he felt like that was a team that disrespected him. The fact that that might've surprised us, I, I think for the rest of the Yankees, when they heard that and they saw the passion in his voice, and you know just the the dedication that he has to proving himself i think that said something to the rest of the team it set a little bit of a tone and it it, it showed the edge that that he's got and i think uh you know that can that can certainly be a positive and and it, it it's something that has uh really made him uh you know feel like he belongs in this clubhouse and i think the other players are looking at him like he does Tulowitzki, i do like the energy like we were live there for that first home run and it was it was crazy and i think tulowitzki has got that energy but i think what I'm seeing from all the players in their quotes and is that they seem a bit hungrier and a bit more uh, almost stung from the, the loss in the postseason last year and the Red Sox losing it. Cause they all coming out with the quotes, like it's the end game, it's the world series and stuff like that. And Tulo does add a little bit of that element. I worry 
that Gardner might feel he's stepping on his toes a little bit. Like, Hey, I'm the angry guy around here. (laughs) (laughs) They're either best friends going to beat someone up together or they're going to be fighting. I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think they'll be they'll be the the former. They'll, they'll be the best friends beaten yeah. up, I guess, together. They, you know, Gar- Gardner is still Gardner has that edge. You know, he's he's been one of the main uh, players this this spring who said, "Look, you know, I'm not satisfied with with where we've been the last couple of years." You know, the fact that he said uh, we were kind of reminding him. I forget what the context of the uh, the interview was, but it, it had something to do with '09. You know, mm-hmm. of course, that's ten years ago. And it hit him in that interview that, wow, you know, yeah, that's 10 years ago. That bothers him that the last time the Yankees uh, uh, actually had a, a glimmer of a World Series hope was 10 years ago. That that bothers Brett Gardner, and, and he's he's trying to make sure that that rubs off on some of the other players. And I think what also has helped maybe get some of that edge from the rest of the team is the fact that they have been so close with so many of the players who are in this clubhouse now. A lot of those guys have been close to uh, to tasting what what Brett Gardner tasted ten years ago and CC Sabathia, but they have they fallen short, you know. And I think the fact that they have fallen short um, that's uh, that's certainly added to the motivation uh, coming into this year. You know, Aaron Hicks, uh, of course, we know what's going on with him as far as the injuries, but uh, he came out of the spring fully focused, saying, "Look, man, I'm you know." I'm upset that that uh, that we haven't made it to a World Series because this team is is really this team is good enough to be there, and um, you know so the fact that you are like you said you're hearing it from multiple uh, people in that clubhouse, um, yeah I, I I don't think it's just Tulowitzki that's bringing that tone. I don't think it's just Gardner that's bringing that tone. I think it's kind of a a mass collection of of guys who are just you know uh, in a sense sort of pissed off and and wanting to see if they can uh, uh, you know make make something right this year. So we got a, a bunch of guys hungry for that World Series win, and we got a bunch of guys that are hungry just to crack the opening day uh, roster yeah. here in spring. We got the back end of the rotation, and we have first base. We were talking with Brian Hoke today, and it, it seems as if first base is kind of like, you know, they say, uh, wait, wait, something will happen. It'll work itself out. It almost seems like that has happened with the Hicks injury and both of those guys are going to get an extended look into the season. Do you, do you see it mapping out that way? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I know Brian uh, tweeted a uh, kind of his, his guess at the, uh, the opening day roster. And I actually sat down and did the same thing a few days ago, just, just for myself. And, um, and I, I think I had a couple of players that were different, but again, this was like four days ago. If I were to do it today, he and I are, I think, are you know, are probably player for player right on target. And absolutely, Greg Bird and Luke Voigt are two pieces that, because of Hicks's injury, because now it looks like, or not just looks like it will be, uh, that Hicks will miss uh, at least that opening series, possibly the second series. He told me today that he actually would. Uh, he thought he'd be back for for the second series of the season, but. You know, I don't know. Just looking at some of the math, I think he's actually probably going to end up missing that. Just my personal. Uh, no, I agree with yes. you. Yeah. But uh, but all that being said, uh, uh, yeah, you know, those two players are going to be part of the mix. And I mean, I mean, it's like you know, I think I I saw what you posted earlier today. You know, it's like. Um, uh, uh, you know, Luke Voigt hits the home run. It's almost like Greg Bird knew it, and he hits his own home yeah. run too. They, they are keeping pace with each other so well, um, and that's what honestly has made this a fun competition. But in a sense, you could almost say the competition as far as who's going to make the team uh, going into into the season. That's like I said, that's pretty much over with because we know what the injury situation is. But 
who's going to get that starting nod at first base. I think that's what we'll still see shake out. Um, you know, of course, there could be a scenario where Greg Bird's defense is important. You got him playing first base and and maybe Stanton's going to be in the outfield for a day. You got Luke Voigt who can DH. So there is a scenario where both first basemen cannot just make this team, uh, but uh, but can be playing uh, in, in a game at the same time. Yeah, it's very interesting the way it's worked out. I agree with Hoke's lineup as well, except Hoke changed his uh, – he gave us a little uh, nugget oh, of information uh-oh. that's different than his lineup he posted, which I saw today. I don't think he wa- – he told us it was a bold take of his, so I don't think he wanted it on the Twitter sphere. But he <laughs> thinks that Sessa's probably going to get the last spot in the rotation. Yeah. And he said – no, he thinks Sessa's going to get the last spot in the bullpen. And he said that the fifth starter – isn't on the roster right now is wearing a different uniform. Do you see a trade or, or, doesn't, pick up? or doesn't have a uniform on right yeah, now? Or doesn't have a uniform. <laughs> and there was rumors about geo getting an offer today. Who knows if those were true or not, but you have any, uh, <clears throat> would you be surprised if they bring in a guy and uh, Tarpley and Luizagar start in triple a Sessas in the bullpen and we see a surprise signing or trade. I, 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 uh... I still think that that some combination of Stephen Tarpley, Luis Sessa, and Jonathan Weissig, I, I think some combination of those three makes the opening day roster. Um, uh, you know, I, if I really had to handicap it, I think Sessa and Tarpley are you know the stronger candidates of just that 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 trio, so to speak. Um, Sessa has looked just—I mean, he's looked really good uh, all Pretty spring. Pretty bizarre. Yeah, I know for a lot of Yankee fans, it has been. Um, Domingo Herman has, has looked good as well. Uh, Loisaga, of course, has, has been a little bit up and down. And it, it's for that reason that, you know, I know this is a question that the Yankees have been getting from time to time is, do you just keep Loisaga in the bullpen? I think right now, especially with what they've got going on as far as the, uh, you know, the injuries to the starting rotation, I think that's what they should do is to at least, you know, if he's making this roster, that he's going to stay in the bullpen and, you know, Aaron Boone has already hinted at the fact that the opener is something that they're talking about that they could do. Uh, you know, I think he's one of those candidates who could pitch. He, he could go out. He could go out and get you through. You know, say the first uh, the first turn of the the lineup, or at least down to the seven, eight, nine, and um, you know, and then you start to bring in the rest of the uh, the bullpen and, and start to get guys who are coming out there for two, maybe even three innings. Um, I, you know, I just think he's a candidate for that, uh, Loisica. That is, and again, Sessa. If you start him in the bull, if you start him in the bullpen, sure. You know, I I could see a scenario where uh, Gio Gonzalez maybe fits into the mix somewhere. Um, you know, Keuchel, of course, would be ideal. I I would imagine for. Uh, for most Yankees fans at this point, but, uh, but whoever it is, um, if, if the Yankees were to get that addition, um, you know, I, I certainly think that that would bolster this, this, uh, pitching staff right now. The big trick is what happens once you get everybody healthy again, once Severino is sell, is healthy, once Sabathia is healthy. And then again, what if they don't get to that point? I think that's kind of what the Yankees also have to weigh is, well, what if something were to happen down the line with Severino later in the season, or if CC just isn't quite able to, uh, you know, to, to to be as effective for the full year as, as he'd like? Um, what do you do then? You know, if you if you haven't made this possible preseason move, you know, what do you do uh, deeper in the year? And that could be a scenario again where maybe a trade happens uh, closer to the deadline. You know, maybe uh, maybe there is another signing that could take place uh, or maybe that is when the signing would take place. Who knows? I mean, at this stage, 
the scenarios are endless. But uh, but I will say, yeah, I I, I think that that trio, those those three guys, Sessa, Loisica, Tarpley, and again Domingo Herman, although I think he's more of a sure bet to make the roster than 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 the other three. I think though that's where that's where the uh, the pitching. The, the fringe of the pitching staff is going to come into play with uh, with those players right there. Yeah, and I mean, it, it for a couple of those young guys, you start you have to think a couple years ahead too, because I the Yankees organization, Java Chamberlain, Phil Hughes, a couple of guys they messed with the reliever starter thing, so the fans and the organization gets a little touchy about that. So you yeah, wonder how that yeah. plays for someone like Luizaga. That I don't know. You you'd like to think. Down the line, they're still picturing him as a starter now, so do you just stretch him out in AAA? Um, and I, I, I mean, I think you had the pitchers on the head. That I, I guess the only other player that there would be any questions about is uh, your ATL guy, Clint, um, who's having a, uh, I don't know, he's, he's not having the best best spring. He's, he's drawing a lot of walks and doing some things he should be working on, but there was serious Clint buzz, and now it's kind of it's headed headed elsewhere uh is is there anything anything you got from him or anything anything different from the team that we've heard about him from him lately you know i mean i mean aaron boone is still very high on on what he believes clint can do um you know and clint's confidence is still through the roof i mean i don't think i don't think really (laughs) there's much to kind of bring his confidence down um and you know and, and he has he is he is certainly disappointed with at least the statistical look at, at what he's done this uh, this spring, but honestly, defensively, he's, he's looked pretty pretty good. He hasn't shown any signs of fear or trepidation in the outfield, uh, that's for sure. And then at the plate, he's actually he's had some he's a run of bad luck. Uh, you know, he's kind of had like the Gary Sanchez luck, where he's hit the ball hard a few times, but right at people. Uh, he's had a couple of strikeouts that were really really questionable calls. Uh, you know, pitches that were, in my opinion, kind of far off the plate. And uh, he got rung up on them, but still. That being said, those count. Those are K's, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, so he, he certainly is uh, is fighting an uphill battle with that. What he's also fighting an uphill battle with is Tyler Wade. You know, Tyler Wade, of course, would be that other uh, uh, player kind of in the mix to to be the last man on the roster, so to speak. And the way that Wade has performed, I mean, you know, you're talking about not just the fact that he's hitting the ball well, and he's he's not just hitting it well, he's hitting it with the kind of authority that we really we really didn't see him have last year. Um, so the fact that he's doing that, the fact that he's getting on base, he's utilizing his speed, we're seeing him steal bases, we're seeing him take the extra base in a lot of uh, cases, um, that's all boding well for Tyler Wade. We're also seeing the fact that he is proving his versatility, and again, with all these injuries, uh, the fact that you've got a player who is an infielder but can also play the outfield, um, that's going to hurt uh, Clint Frazier, you know, because Clint is, uh, I mean, he's not a one-trick pony, but in this sense, in this scenario, he is, you know, because he's only an outfielder, uh, that's going to hurt him, whereas you've got a guy in, in Wade who can play all these positions, and right now, on the other side of the ball, he's uh, he's playing very well, too. So, so certainly uh, tough opportunities for Clint. If I were to have to set a roster right now myself, um, I probably would have him just on the outside looking in. Um, that being said, you know, that's really not a knock on him at all. It's just kind of the, the state of, of the way everything has shaken out ahead of him and, uh, and Tyler Wade being part of that mix. If Tyler Wade's not playing quite as well, I think that's a little bit of a deeper, uh, excuse me, a little bit more of a, uh, of a, uh, a, a little tougher of a decision, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's always nice to make opening the opening day roster and break camp with the team, but the way the Yankees utilize their options and their 
injuries and everything like they have so many moving pieces all throughout the season like Clint can be up in two weeks and spend the rest of the season with the team you just never know they're always up and down everyone's always up down it's probably like out of the 25 guys I would say the the starters and like eight pitchers probably like half the team I don't know there's there's probably like five slots that always going to be rotating or so yeah last year I think I think that's fair I think that's fair there's there's Definitely going to be, you know, like two position players, three pitchers, maybe like a, a reliever and a, and a starter or two relievers and a starter somewhere in there. I think that's fair. All right. We'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of spring training, and maybe we'll, we'll catch up with you during the season at some point. We'll do. Always good to talk with you guys, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Goalie. All right. There you go. Three interviews, one episode. See, the problem with spring training is everything happens so quick. The I said to Jake, the – the Cuddy interview from the beginning was two days ago, and it's already somewhat dated with the updated Hicks news and like Sessa emerging and all this stuff. Yeah. So I was like, we can't sit on these interviews, so we just threw them all into one. This was interview uh, interview episode. So go go tell Cuddy, Hoke, and Coley that. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And as always, thank you guys. We appreciate you listening. One more PPP tomorrow. Then uh, a new thing for about a couple of days, and uh, it's still going to be episode a day. Talking Yanks will be on your podcast app every day until opening day, and then we will unveil uh, some new stuff we got going on. So thank you, guys. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.